The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. Hello, welcome guys. My name is Dominic Gump. I'm from the high school ministry, and today we'll be reading Acts chapter 8, 1 through 4. And if you guys don't have your Bibles, we have Bibles in front of you guys. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you, dude. Can we, uh, can we give Dominic a big shout-out? Oh, here's your Bible, buddy. I don't want to keep that up here. Yeah, can we give Dominic a big shout-out? That takes a lot for students to come up here and read Scripture for us. So, Dominic, thank you, buddy. You're awesome, dude. Well, it is good to see you guys. we got a packed house this morning. This is awesome. we got so many good friends in the house. It's good to see you guys. I'm a little jittery because I had coffee a little bit ago. So, before we start, I'd like to pray just for us to slow down. And for that last song that we sung, that God would pour his spirit out on this place. So join me in prayer real quick. Jesus, you are so, so overwhelmingly good to us, and we don't deserve any of it. And so we just thank you so much for the freedom that we even get to be in this place to worship you freely without persecution, Lord. We ask that you would just take away any distractions that are on our minds and our hearts right now, Lord, our phones, our friends families, whatever we've walked in here with, I just ask that you would help us to put that aside right now, Lord, that you would break down any walls in our lives, and that you would just gently come to us and teach us more about what you want from us today, and that you would pour your spirit out on this place. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so if you don't know me by now, you've seen a lot of me this morning. I'm Justin. I'm the student ministry director here at Crosspoint for our high school and middle school students. It is a pleasure to be here with you guys. I'm excited for what God has for us today. If you have been with us for a significant period of time now, this is our 23rd episode in the book of Acts, and we're only in chapter 8. So that ought to show you how much we're unpacking out of this book, which is awesome. And I'm excited uh, to share with you guys what's going on. So this passage that Dominic just read for us is a real brief summary of kind of what's happening in this story. Um, And what I love about the book of Acts is it's like we're getting to watch this great drama play out. You, you, it starts off, everything's going okay, and then we see this kind of rising action where the disciples and apostles and believers are facing this kind of opposition from uh, the religious leaders in the area, and then it's this rising action, right? And now we're at this climax, what we talked about last week, um, where Stephen, the first martyr of the early church, has been murdered. And so if you haven't been with us, real quick, I'd like to just give us a brief little recap of kind of where we are and how we got to this climax. So, After Jesus ascended and gave his disciples this great commission to to go and make disciples of all the nations, he's ascended to heaven. The believers are all in Jerusalem at this point, and they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, and they're preaching the gospel of Jesus. And they first start preaching, and at first, they're just kind of being ridiculed and called drunkards by people, and nobody believes them ever and thinks they're kind of crazy. And they continue to preach amidst this kind of minor opposition against them. And what happens at that point is they have 3,000 believers that are added to their community of faith. That's awesome. It's incredible. It's exciting. And next, we see the apostles Peter and John were then put in jail for a night as kind of this warning to, hey, you better knock that off. 
No more of this Jesus nonsense. And they thought that that would stop it, but we read uh, a few chapters back. They say, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. And so they continued to spread the gospel. The religious leaders became incredibly jealous and confronted the apostles again and, and had them arrested and beaten and flogged. That's kind of another warning. You better stop this. We're not going to put up with this. But it tells us a few chapters back that even so, they went on their way rejoicing after being beaten and flogged. And every day in the temple, they continued to preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. And now we find ourselves in this moment, this climax, where last week we talked about, in the last few weeks, where the story of Stephen, this believer who is full of the Holy Spirit, is confronted by the religious leaders. And he's given them this really big story about how Jesus has come and what they've done and that they crucified him on the cross. And they kill him. They murder this man in innocent blood. The beatings and the threats didn't work. And so they were going to make sure that this stopped. They were going to make sure of it. And this young man that we talked about here, Saul of Tarsus, would make sure of it. And so I, I read the story and I step into that. And as we step into that together, I don't know how you feel, how you, how you would respond to that. But i got to be honest, Crosspoint, I think at first when I, when I hear that and I hear that they went and they spread the gospel, and I'm super excited. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's keep spreading. We cannot stop telling about everything we've seen and heard. But when I look at that story and I really step into their shoes, I'm not really sure how I would respond. See, because I don't think that any of us can really truly understand what that would be like. People are being dragged from their homes and thrown into prison. Right? People have families, they have kids, they have to get moving because people are on their tail to come and catch them. They have to, they have to figure out what they're bringing with them, but they don't have a car, they don't have a U-Haul trailer to bring with them. So how, how do you respond in this moment in the midst of this chaos and these wild circumstances? I really don't think that we can fathom what this was like. I don't think we can understand those feelings or how scared they must have been, how helpless they must have actually felt. I'm not sure if any of you guys have heard of the organization called Open Doors. Raise your hand. Have anyone heard of Open Doors, the world watch list online? Okay, so a few of you. So Open Doors has, um, Open Doors is an organization that basically tracks and supports many churches, um, Christian churches around the world that are, are persecuted. And so they have this world watch list that tracks the top 50 countries uh, of the persecuted Christian church. As I was on their website looking, Afghanistan is the number two on that list for the top 50 countries that are being persecuted. And as some of you might know, on Sunday, August 15th of this year, Taliban forces entered the capital city of Kabul and seized it. And so now Christian minorities and a lot of other minorities are facing a lot of fear and violence and, and hard times. I was on the website, and the leading question on the Afghanistan page was, what does persecution look like in Afghanistan? And it says this, it is impossible to live openly as a Christian in Afghanistan. Leaving Islam is considered shameful, and Christian converts face dire consequences if their new faith is discovered. Either they have to flee the country or they will be killed. Areas controlled by the Taliban are particularly, are particularly oppressive, but there is no safe way to express any form of faith in the country. 
And I couldn't get away from this website. I kept reading and I kept reading these testimonies and these stories of families uh, sharing the things that they're going through right now. And I found one that really stood out to me that I'd like to share with you guys. There uh, are no names listed to protect the identities of the families, but it starts off with the husband writing this. The list has been circulated with our names on it, a list that includes the names of Christians whom the Taliban has targeted. Since the takeover, Taliban house searches have become a regular occurrence. Sounds a little familiar from what we're reading here in Acts, right? Some of us have been killed, some have been kidnapped, some have disappeared. Since the Taliban takeover, the secret church in Afghanistan has been scattered. Some have fled, some have stayed, some are missing or can't be contacted. On August 15th, the night the Taliban took control, the husband says as if he felt like someone had stepped into his memories, trying to snuff them out to speak fear into him. That same night, the family welcomed their baby girl into the world. I can't even imagine. Since Afghanistan failed to the Taliban, these secret believers have shared their dire need for intercessory prayer. His wife says this to us. When you pray, you meet us in God's throne room where we can have communion. Gosh, what a beautiful picture that is. If you love us, pray for us, the husband says. This is where we are all together, at the foot of the cross where the full measure of love is known. If you love me, if you love us, if you love Jesus, please pray for us. So I'm not sure if you guys are aware. I wasn't actually aware of this until the other day, but today is actually the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. So what I'd like to do real quick is take a moment. I want to stop talking to you guys. And I just want us to to think about what his wife says here, that, that we would be able to come together and pray and meet in this throne room of God's where these believers that are 7,500 miles away from us, that we don't have anything that we can do for them right now besides bring our prayers and requests to the Father on their behalf. So would you guys pray with me real quick? Father, this is hard. This is so hard to even try and imagine what our brothers and sisters are facing in the world right now. We sit here in an air-conditioned room and <laughs> have amazing music and we get to worship you freely, Lord, and 7,500 miles away, our brothers and sisters are struggling, They're being dragged from their homes. They're being faced with violence and, Lord, I just can't imagine the fear that they're experiencing right now. So, Father, we, we come together as a church, as a body of believers right now, and we just want to meet in that throne room where you are that we would have communion with them right now, that we would just pray a prayer of protection over them right now. God, with whatever they're facing today, right now in this moment, Lord, whatever fears and whatever persecution that they're experiencing, Lord, would you just be with them? Holy Spirit, would you just pour, pour your spirit out in those, in those homes, Lord, in those secret churches, Lord, and that you would just give them courage to continue to spread the gospel amid these crazy and violent circumstances that they face. Lord, we just lift them up to you right now because that's all that we can do. Let's pray for them and love them. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. As I continue to go through this list, I made it through that without crying. Some people thought I wasn't going to be able to do it, but I did it. So, um, As I continued to scour this website, I was on it for a good two hours, I wanted to see if I could find the United States on that list. Spoiler alert, it's not there. U.S. is not on that top 50 list of persecuted countries in the world. 
And I was faced with this reality check. The truth is, we do not face that kind of religious persecution here in the West. But with that being said, just because we are not facing that level of persecution does not mean, does not mean that you and I don't face some level of opposition as Christians. Amen? Whether we get ridiculed at work or made fun of or called drunkards like these believers were, whether we lose good friends because of what we believe in, you fill in the blank. It's not always easy being a follower of Christ here in the West. And so the big question, the first thing I want to tackle with you guys this morning is this question of how do we respond then when we're met with opposition? What are we supposed to do when we're faced with the circumstances that we are going through right now in the workplace, in our homes, wherever it might be? How do we respond? And so the first fill in the blank, I think it's actually already filled in for you, but it's we stay on mission. So you might hear that and go, okay, cool. But what's the mission, and, and how do we stay on the mission, Justin? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you. We can go back to a few weeks ago where we were in Acts chapter 5, and I briefly mentioned it, but this is after um, the apostles had been arrested, ordered to never speak again in the name of Jesus, and it says that they went on their way rejoicing, and they continued to preach this message. This is the mission. They continue to preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. That's the mission. We can take it back even further. Jesus' last words, right? We think of people's last words, and they're usually pretty important, right? If you had last words to say to somebody, you think about what that would be. And Jesus' last words before he ascended into heaven to his disciples was, go and make disciples of all the nations. Period. No ifs, no buts, not go and make disciples of all the nations if life is really comfortable for you. Go and make disciples of all the nations if nobody's making fun of you for what you believe in. Right? No, it was go and make disciples of all the nations. That's it. I think if we learn anything from 2020, Crosspoint, is that oftentimes when you and I are faced with opposition and hardship, that it's really easy to lose sight of that mission sometimes. Am I right? It's so easy to get distracted amid our circumstances, the things we're facing that sometimes that mission can just start to shift. And maybe we're not completely rejecting that commission that Jesus gave us, but sometimes we just get a little bit off track. See, we have a really clever enemy whose name is Satan who uses these circumstances and tries to convince us somehow that now that mission is void or, or subject to change because of what we're going through and because of the chaos that's happening around us. I think we get really caught off guard when we face opposition. And sometimes we wonder why it's even happening in the first place. But Jesus gives us a really clear reminder in John 15, 18. He says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you too. I think that's a good reminder for us with whatever's going on in life that we're going to be faced with opposition. I think that's the first reality check that we have to face. We are going to be faced with circumstances that suck. We are, we are not always going to have a comfortable life. Things are not always going to be easy following Christ. I go back to these believers, and, and I can think of plenty of ways that they could have responded with all of this stuff that was going on. 
They could have protested. They could have revolted against the government authorities. They could have sought justice for what they did to Stephen. They literally just murdered him in cold blood for no reason. But they didn't do any of that. How crazy is that? That this, They didn't respond in any of those ways. And as I read that and I think about that, I go, why? How is that even possible? How, how do you watch your neighbors, your friends, your family literally being dragged out of their homes and stay on mission? How do you do that? And as I thought about that and prayed about that and sat on that, God kind of revealed this <laughs> simple truth to me. It's that they couldn't help it. <laughs> These believers literally could not help but share this message with them with, regardless of whatever was going on, regardless of any of it. Why? Because that message was so much bigger and so much more powerful and so life-changing than any of those circumstances. Nothing could, could muffle that message. You might have seen on your note sheet the title of today's talk is Insuppressible. Insuppressible means incapable of being overcome or muffled. I like that. Crosspoint, this is my desire. This is our desire here for you guys. That just like when you and I go to a, a movie theater and we see a really awesome movie or we go find a good restaurant that's got amazing tacos, or like me, if you know me and you know that I can't shut up about Patton Oscar's breadsticks because they're just so stinking good, I can't stop telling people about them, that the message of Jesus that we carry would be like that that it would be insuppressible, that we just can't help but share it with people with whatever's going on. I'm always going to tell people about Pat and Oscar's breadsticks, regardless of how bad of a day I've had. I'm always going to tell people about it because it's so good. And that's what I want. That's my desire for us, Crosspoint, is that, that that message that we carry would be insuppressible. But that's hard. And so the second point that I think we need to know is this, is kind of how do we stay on mission? And it's your next fill in the blank. It's, we remember who the real enemy is, and we look toward what God is doing. Stephen just gave us this really big story from the Old Testament where he talked about a lot of the early um, kind of founders of the faith. He talked about Abraham. He talked about Moses. He talked about Joseph. In the story of Joseph, any remember Joseph? Any remember that story from Genesis, right? His brothers betrayed him because they were really jealous of the affection and love that his father gave him, and, and so they were going to do something about it. So what did they do? They threw him in a pit because they wanted to have this kind of affection from their dad. They took him out of the pit, they sold him into slavery, and through this weird series of events, we see that Joseph actually becomes put in charge of the entire land of Egypt. And he saves multitudes of people from this awful famine that's happening in the, in the, in the area. And his family actually comes to Egypt because they need food, and they have this weird, awkward confrontation um, and their fathers died at this point, and now his brothers, Joseph's brothers, are, are terrified. They're terrified of what Joseph's going to do now that their dad has passed. Um, in Genesis 50, verses 18 through 20, it says this, Then his brothers came and threw themselves before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, get this, guys, this is awesome. Don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me. But God intended it all for good. <laughs> I want to say that again. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position 
so that I could save the lives of many people. He brought Joseph to this position through putting him in a pit, through getting sold into slavery, to this position now to where he could save the lives of many people. How wild is that? That, that through these terrible circumstances, this is what God's doing? If that didn't happen, would that have happened? Would his brothers have been able to come? Would these people have been saved from this famine? Probably not. That's a beautiful story of what the, the way that God's orchestrating even the bad circumstances in our lives and turning them into something that's so beautiful and good. John 10.10 10 tells us about our enemy. It says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And as Stephen told us in the last chapter, he says, but God, but God will often use our circumstances, even the awful ones, to accomplish his will. See, there's a reason why the gospel was able to be carried to all of these other places throughout Judea, throughout Samaria, all the places that we're going to read about going forward. Why was that? because of the persecution that they faced. See, all of these believers were in Jerusalem at the time. Nobody had left yet. Nobody had went and carried this gospel message. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations. And what got them going? What carried that message? The fact that Stephen had been killed. This terrible circumstance where when you look at it at first glance, you go, what is God doing here? How could he possibly be making something good out of this? But us sitting here, we get to see how that plays out. I have a, a life verse, something that I, I love. It's, it's my favorite verse in the Bible. I, I just remember it, and when I have hard times in my life, I, just, I always come back to it. And it's Ecclesiastes 3.11. This is Solomon writing for us. Um, if you didn't know, Solomon's the wisest person that, was, that ever lived besides Jesus. So if he's writing things, it's usually a good thing to listen to. He wrote Proverbs, right? But he, in Ecclesiastes 3.11, he says that God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, we cannot see the full scope of his work from beginning to end. I love that verse. First time I read that, I went, God has made everything beautiful? Yes, everything. That's a hard perspective to have. What a hard perspective that must have been for these believers to see that, to even look toward what God was doing in the midst of those awful things that were happening. And we see that this is beginning to unfold throughout the book of Acts. That these circumstances that they were facing actually propelled them and changed their trajectory so that they could carry that gospel message to the world. So, I need you guys to help me out here real quick. I like audience participation. We're in youth ministry, so we like to get audience participation. Can you guys remind me here, who does it say was scattered? Was it the apostles? No. What's that? Right? So we have all the believers besides the apostles that were scattered at this point. So it's saying that the apostles are in Jerusalem and all these other believers are being scattered. They're fleeing for their lives because of what's happened to Stephen because he's just been murdered and they are going and they're carrying the gospel message. So if any of you guys are Bible nerds, Let's try and get some context here. We've got probably maybe 10,000 believers in Jerusalem at this point. And so let's get this straight. You've got a bunch of average Joes with no experience, no education, no qualifications, no credentials. They didn't go to Bible college for 10 years. 
These are the types of people, they've been following Jesus for probably about 10 minutes before Stephen had been killed, mind you. These are the types of people that are going and spreading the message of Jesus? How awesome is that? How, how encouraging is that for us in this room to know that these are the types of people that God is using to spread the gospel? I'm like in all of that. I don't know about you, but that gets me so excited because you know what that shows me? It's not about me. It's not about you. <laughs> how freeing is that? That it's not about how smart you are. It's not about how good you look. It's not about how loquacious you talk. It doesn't matter. That when you choose to follow Jesus, that you've been given the most powerful influence in the universe. And that's the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you doing that work through you. That you get to be a part of God's kingdom. Not so that you and I can be seen, but so that the glory of God can be seen through even the simplest of people that nobody would even turn a second eye at. That these are the types of people that are carrying the gospel. That's exciting. You think that this mission is reserved for specific people? People on church staff, people that come up here and lead worship, someone that comes up and talks to you for 30 minutes? Nah. If you think that, you're missing it. You're missing out on the experience that God has for you to carry that message. Who did we just finish talking about in the last chapter? Stephen? You mean the guy that ran the food bank for the early church? This is the guy that was full of the Holy Spirit. This is the guy that confronted the religious council and brought this amazing message about Jesus' life and what they've done. Stephen is the first martyr of the early church? Yes, precisely. It's exactly the way that God wanted it to play out. So if you're here today and you think, and you follow Jesus, if you've made that choice and you think, man, God couldn't use me. I'm not, I'm not qualified for that. I don't have that kind of influence. Can I just encourage you to stop listening to that garbage? It's just nonsense. That's all nonsense and accusations from the enemy who wants you to believe that so that he can turn you away from God, so that he can prevent you from experiencing that mission and being a part of that kingdom transformation. The last point we have on your sheet is this. We are God's plan A, and there is no plan B. I may or may not have stolen that from a conference that we just went to, but that's okay. I'm going to use it anyway because it's just so good. So good. We are God's plan A, and there is no plan B. Paul, or Saul, spoiler alert, the same guy that we're talking about here that's persecuting the church, writes for us, uh, in 2 Corinthians, this is after his, um, never mind. That's another message. We're going to get to that. You've got to wait for that. <clears throat> you, got, you probably know Paul. Whatever. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20, he says this. This is kind of like, I look at this as like our mission statement almost as Christians. He says, God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this, me- this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through who? Through us. Through me, through you, regardless of how experienced you are, regardless of how long you've been following Jesus for, regardless of how smart you think you are, God is making his appeal through us. And also, that's a reality check for us, guys. That if you're sitting back and the circumstances around you are changing that mission, man, let's get back to it. Because we're God's plan A and there is no plan B. 
We are the ones that he's going to use as vessels to carry this message forward. I don't know if you guys have ever thought about this this way, but there's a, a reason that you and I are sitting in this room today. And I, I honestly think that's because 2,000 years ago, there were a lot of average Joes that were bold enough and inexperienced in all of that to carry this message forward so that 2,000 years later, that the church here could thrive. How amazing and incredible is that? Do you think that these believers knew the impact that they would have 2,000 years later? I don't think so. And so what about for us? When we think about that, when we think that we are called in that same exact way as those believers were, does that change our trajectory at all? Does that change the way that you and I think about this mission that God has given us (laughs) to see the change and impact that we can have on the next generation of students that are growing up in a really tough world right now? the impact that we could have in the next century to watch God's kingdom grow? Our worship team's gonna come up as we start to wrap things up here. And guys, I I don't really know where you're at today. I don't know what you've walked in here with. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're recognizing that, yeah, things have been tough. It's been a really, really hard year, Justin, and and because of these circumstances that I'm facing right now, I've just started to lose sight of that mission a little bit. I've gotten a little off track. Can you listen real quick? That's okay. (laughs) That's okay. Let's be reminded of what that mission is today, and let's get back on track. And maybe you're sitting here today, and maybe you just feel like you you don't have that kind of influence that God really can't use you to, to further and advance his kingdom. Can I just encourage you today? Can we encourage you as a team today? Again, just to not listen to that. It's not about you. If you've chosen to follow Jesus, you've been given that influence. That's the Holy Spirit that wants to use you so that you can spread that message to everywhere that you go, whether that's your workplace or your schools or your homes, to your kids, to your friends, that you have been given that influence. And maybe you're sitting here today because some average Joe invited you. Maybe that average Joe is sitting right next to you and you're here and you're just wondering what this gospel message of Jesus is all about. That message is that 2,000 years ago, God loved his creation and his people so much that he came to this earth in the form of man in the name of Jesus. Fully God, fully man, and lived a perfect life, a sinless life. And in that sinless life, he, was, he died a criminal's death on a cross so that you and I could be reconciled back to him so that we could be with him. Remember, guys, these believers, regardless of their circumstances, continue to preach this message that Jesus is the Messiah. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you so much for who you are. Man, you've given us such an amazing and inviting mission to fight back for the hearts of those that are lost so that we can show them your glory and your love. Lord, would you remind us of that mission today? Father, I know that that is hard. We don't want to diminish the fact that Some of us in this room might really be struggling with some hard circumstances, Lord. Sometimes it looks like the world's falling apart around us, Lord, but I ask that you would help us to help remind us to look toward what you are doing, even in the midst of all of that, God. That we remember this mission and look to you. Amen. Our our gospel team, our worship team is going to...
play some songs for us to Jesus and about Jesus. And we're going to invite you guys to sing with us. We're going to invite you guys to take communion in the four, one of the four corners of the room. Um, as we're worshiping, our prayer team is going to be in the back of the house today. If there's something going on in your life, would you go back there and pray with them? Let them talk to you. Let them encourage you. Let them pray for you. And then we would just sit in this moment and worship this amazing Jesus that we have. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.